Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. And God spoke these words saying, what's the next two words? Yeah, I am the Lord, Yahweh, thy God, who has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt, shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Here's the one we're going to zero in on today, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the what? Everybody say the name. Everybody say the name. Yeah, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Who? I got a little amen from above. A little thunder. Thou wilt not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, stop there, grab a seat at all of our campuses. I want to set things up today by sharing this with you. My entire childhood was lived out in two duplex apartments. The first one was at 1086 Cherokee Avenue in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And the second one was at 1159. Cherokee Avenue, but they were both duplex apartments. Now, we all know what a duplex is. It's two small apartments. These were actually 600 square feet apiece, but it's two small apartments that have been joined together. But folks, what this duplex created for me as a little boy was an extra long backyard, which, which was easily converted into a football field for little boys. Yeah, and let me tell you, every afternoon during football season, almost every afternoon, when school let out, 20-plus boys would converge on my backyard to play pickup football, and I loved it. Now, with that in mind, I want you to slip into this scene. Because one afternoon, as we were picking up sides, this boy named Jimmy Workman, who actually lived outside of our apartment complex, lived in a neighborhood, actually. He showed up to play football with us, to, pl to play pickup football. At any rate, Jimmy and I ended up on opposite sides of the ball, on, on opposite teams. But at some point in the game, this guy Jimmy got really angry with me. I can't even remember what it was about. But he got angry with me, and he called me a name. In fact, he shouted it out. He said, Blackwood, you're a son of a... And you can fill in the blank. Now, folks, I got to tell you, that name didn't really bother me. Because, frankly, I, I didn't even know what it meant. <laughs> but, man, oh, man, was I about to find out what it meant. Because we took a break from the game shortly after that, and our little apartment was right there in the back door, and I was going to step in and get a drink of water. But when I opened the back door, the screen door to go in, my little mom met me at the door, and she was furious. And she said, Ricky, you're going to go out there and fight that boy. Oh, yeah. 
And, and I said, Mom, what, what, what's wrong? Why, why are you saying? Be- she said, because he called you that name. And I said, oh, yeah. Oh, Mom, that, that name doesn't bother me. She said, Ricky, that name bothers me. She said, do you even know what that name means? Well, no, Mom, I'm 11. You're a single mom. You've never explained this stuff to me. No, I don't. You know, <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's where I was. But, but she started right there in the back door, unpacking the facts of life, to which I'm going, no, 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 mom, I don't want to hear that. But she explains it, and then she explained to me that that name he had called me was actually an attack on her name. And then she said something to me I'll never forget. She said, Ricky, my good name is all I have left in this world. Husband is basically gone raising two small boys. And she said, my name, my good name, is all I've got left in this world. And she said, that boy, she said something to this effect, just profaned my name. So you're going to go out there and fight him. Now, I I said, Mom, Mom, he's 14. I'm 11. Mom, he's tall. This guy, kid Jimmy, was extra tall. I said, Mom, I'm a shrimp. He will kill me. This is what she said. She said, you either fight him or I'm going to spank you. She said, you're going to fight him, and you're going to tell him that your mother is a good woman. And so, folks, I go out, 11 years old, and I pick a fight with a 14-year-old who I can hardly reach. And, and so I'm swinging away at him. You know, you said something about my mom, and I don't think he even knew what was going on. And so out of mercy, this kid, Jimmy Workman, he doesn't punch me. He slaps me, which knocked me off of my feet anyway. And it hurt. And I remember laying there thinking, I don't want to get up to get that again. And so I looked toward the back porch, and we had a screen porch, screen door, and I could see my mother, her silhouette sort of in the door watching. And so I'm thinking, maybe she'll be okay if I just, you know, if I just tell him off. So I lay there on the ground, and I say, don't you ever say that about my mom again. Don't you ever talk about her again. And apparently she was satisfied with that. (laughs) But folks, here's what I learned that day. My little mother took her name seriously. Let me say that again. My little mother took her name seriously. Now, let me turn a corner and bring all of that over to this series on the Ten Commandments. Because what an image of our heavenly Father. And by that I mean this, and this is my proposition, this is what I want you to go out the door with today. Our Heavenly Father takes His name very, very seriously. In fact, listen to what He says in this commandment, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, you might be saying, well, Rick, why does God take his name so seriously? And what does it mean to take God's name in vain? And, and might I have done that? <laughs> We're going to find out as we unpack this command from this series. And I want to give you two thoughts. How many of you have your listening guide today at all of our campuses? Two simple thoughts about the name of God. 
And this is crucial for us to understand. Now, I got to tell you, just get ready to prepare this one was very intimidating for me. And so, boy, if I've ever said it's going to come across teaching and meant it, it is today. So please lean in. I actually need some help from you to teach this. So here we go. Two thoughts about God's name. If you're filling in the blanks, number one, God's name represents who he is. God's name represents who he is. Now, with that in mind, listen to the command again. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, stop right there. Because that command is like a double yellow line down the middle of the road. If you were here last weekend, we talked about double yellow lines. What does a double yellow line mean when you see it in the highway? It means this, thou shalt not pass right here. It means thou shalt not cross over this line. Well, listen, just like that, this is a command where God is saying, thou shalt not cross this line. And here's the line, you will not take my name in vain. Now, why is God so serious about his name? Well, again, it's because God's name represents who he is. God's name sort of stands in for God. But here's what we need to understand about God's name. So write this down as A and B. This is so important. God's name is not, is not God. Let me say that again. God's name is not God. Verse 7, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy what? Thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now stop right there. Because a lot of people, a lot of Christians, think God's name is God. So they imagine that if they say the, the word God followed by some bad word, they think they have taken God's name in vain. But here's what we need to realize. God's name is not God. Now, I want you to lean in because every time you see the word God in your Bible, that term has been translated from the Hebrew word Elohim. Everybody say Elohim. In fact, that's the word that's used in verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy what? Thy God, thy Elohim. So here's what you need to know. The, the Hebrew word, by the way, your Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. So we're translating from Hebrew into English, Hebrew into Spanish. But every time you see the word God, G-O-D, it has been translated from Elohim. Here's what Elohim means. It means a deity. It means a ruler. It means a God. But you also need to know it's a very generic term. Because the term Elohim, the term God, is used to refer to our God, but it's used to refer to other gods. It's used to refer to false gods. In fact, in Exodus 12, 12, you can look it up later, the Bible talks about the false gods of Egypt. The false Elohim is the word there. In fact, listen to the, to the command in verse 3. Thou shalt have no other, what's the Hebrew word, no other, yeah, you shall have no other Elohim before me. So, here's the point. The term 
God in your English Bible means a deity. It means a ruler. It means, it means gods in general. So God is a deity. He is the deity. He is the God. But here's what you need to know. God's name is not God. God is what God is. God is his office. God is his position. He is the God of the universe, but that is not his name. Get it? Get it? All right, good. So here's what you need. Here's, here's the question. Okay, if his name's not God, what is his name then? Write this down as B. God's name is Yahweh. God's name is Yahweh. Everybody heads up. Because many of God's people, if not most of God's people, do not know God's name. They think God's name is God. Or for a lot of people, they think God's name is Lord. And here's why we think that. Listen to verse 7. The Bible says in verse 7, it says, Thou shalt not take the name, bear with me, top that one, come on. Thou shalt not take the name of, and your Bible says, the Lord. But here's the way it reads in the Hebrew. Thou shalt not take the name of Yahweh. Thou shalt not take the name of Yahweh, thy God. You see, his name is not God. His name is not Lord. His name is Yahweh. It's spelled in Hebrew, yod heh vah -Hey. But folks, here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. When the translators of our Bibles were translating it from Hebrew into English, when they came to the word Yahweh, they were either so scared to translate it, so fearful of writing that name that they didn't want to touch it, they didn't want to say it, so rather than translating and giving us the name God, they replaced God's name Yahweh with with the word Lord, L-O-R-D, all uppercase letters. So they replace God's name with the word Lord. But what we need to know is God's name is not Lord. His proper name is spelled yod Hey va Hey. We pronounce it Yahweh. Listen to this. Here's how verse 7 reads. Thou shalt not take the name, it even makes more sense, Thou shalt not take the name of Yahweh, thy God, in vain. Now it makes more sense. And now, folks, God, you know, crosses all the T's and dots all the I's on this just to be sure we get it. So listen to Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Now understand, God is, is about to tell Moses in Exodus 3, you're going to be the deliverer of the people of Egypt, or, or the people of of, of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. But before, before Moses goes to deliver them, he's got a question for God. And it's a question about God's name. So watch what, what happens here. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites' people and say to them, the Elohim, your Elohim, your God, your ruler, of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his 
name. That right there tells you his name is not Elohim. His name is not God, because he just said that. So he says, what do I tell them your name is? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the Elohim, the God of your fathers has sent me. This is my name. Everybody say, this is my name. Yeah, this is my name. How long? Forever. God's name is Yodhevahe Yahweh. And check this out. God's name, just like we said, represents God. It describes God. Because his name literally means I am. That's why we sang the song, the great I am. That's what Yahweh means. It means I am, I am eternally present. It means I have always existed. It means I live beyond time. And folks, here's the implications of that. So write this down as one. This tells you how amazing our Yahweh is. Listen to this. God exists outside of physics. That's what that name means. He exists outside of physics. Now, everybody put your, your kind of your physics thinking caps on for a moment. Because I don't have to tell you, there, there are laws of physics that, that control the physical universe. And being physical creatures as we are, we live under the control of physics. And by physics, I mean time, space, matter, mass, energy, Gravity, entropy, thermodynamics, we live under the control of those physical rules, those physical laws in some cases. And listen, God, being the creator, engineered physics so as to control his universe. And what that means to you and me is that everything that we see in existence is, is you know, is mass, matter, time, energy. And we sort of, you know, if you had some physics courses, we... We can sort of get our arms around all of that. But folks, when it comes to the physics of time, how do you even explain time? If somebody said, what is time? How do you put that into words? And so I was thinking about that this week, and and I was thinking that, that if time means anything at all, it means events are sequential. It means one event has to follow the other, and also if time means anything at all, it means everything has to have a beginning. Everybody and everything has to have a beginning place. It has to have a start, and that is an absolute reality. That is an absolute, undeniable truth of physics. Everything has to have a beginning except God. He had no beginning. Now, in our little finite minds, we can't even conceptualize that. We can't even think how something could not have ever had a beginning. We can kind of think of God as being eternal that way, but we can't get our arms around, our minds around how God never had a start, that he just goes on that way forever and ever as well. So in our little minds, we we can't grasp that because our universe had a beginning, our earth had a beginning, we had a beginning, time had a beginning, everything had a beginning. But write this down as a little number two, God had no beginning. In other words, the one who made time as a reality of physical laws 
is himself outside of the time he created. In other words, when God created time, he did not insert himself into that time. God did not make himself subservient of that time. He had no beginning. And his name says that to us. Listen to verse, listen to Exodus 3.13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Then shall I tell them, verse 14, this is what you're to say to them, to the Israelites. Here's who you tell them who sent you. I am. You see, God's name is Yahweh, but it means I am that I am. We sang that song, the great I am. That's the meaning of God's name. You say meaning what? Meaning God is always present. God is eternally present in both directions. You see, God never, God never has to say, you know, back before I came into existence, God, see, we laugh at it because we know our God, don't we? God never has to say, you know, back before I was born, you know, back before I evolved, God never has to say that. Why? Because he is eternally existent, and Yahweh means that. It means I am, not I will be, not I, ha I am. God's always been present tense. You know, people will ask me sometimes, they'll say, well, Rick, if God created the heavens and the earth... Who created God? You ever heard that? If God created the heavens and earth, who created God? The reason why we ask that is because we think God is subject to the laws of physics like we are, but God created the laws of physics, but he never inserted himself into them. God lives outside the laws of physics, and his very name, Yahweh, the great I am, tells us that. You see, the reason why we struggle with that is because the gap between God and us is, well, uh, let me tell you how it is. God tells us. <laughs> let him say it. Listen to Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares Yahweh. Now stop there, because God's about to give us a visual of the gap between his knowledge and our knowledge. The gap between his power and our power. And to do that, God reaches for the galactic. Listen to the next verse. As the heavens, Shabbayim in the Hebrew, the galactic heavens are higher than the earth. So, like that, are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Folks, how explicit could God be? How high are the heavens above the earth? It's a rhetorical question. The gap between the earth and the expanse of the universe is, is beyond measuring. It's that far a gap. I mean, think about it. Just think about it this way. Just the known universe that we can see with our telescopes is 14 billion light years in both directions. I've told you this before. That's 28 billion light years in diameter. You know what that means, a light year. That means if you could travel at the speed of light, Einstein said you could never do that, but let's just say you could. If you could travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, 669 million miles per hour. So every hour you're going 669 million miles. If you could travel at that speed, just across what we can see, the known universe would take you 28 billion years. 
And the fact is, folks, as we look out as far as we can see at the galaxies, there's no thinning out. There's no thinning out. They're packed in as far as we can see out. And the truth is, the heavens, the galactic goes on forever and ever and ever. It has no end because it is created by one who goes on forever and ever and ever. And God's name, Yahweh, captures that. God transcends time, mass, energy. He transcends all of that. And here's the point. God's presence is eternal. And the universe has never existed without the presence of Yahweh. Without his presence, he inhabits eternity. You know, again, if time means anything at all, it also means this. You can only live in the present for us. In other words, we can't live in the past because the past is gone. We can't live in the future because it's not here. We can only live in this moment, but not God. God transcends time. God, God inhabits eternity both ways. That means God is living right now in the days of Adam and Eve. God is living right now in the days of the second coming of Christ. You see, God never has to say, man, I wish I could go back to the days of Moses. God's there. God doesn't have to say, wow, I wish the second coming of Christ would hurry up. He's already there. God, God lives in all of that. God transcends that, and his very name, Yahweh, captures that and reminds us of that. Now, listen. When we think about that, you know, it's sort of like, right? It's mind-blowing. But as mind-blowing as that is, here's something even greater. Listen to this. Just like the universe has never been without the presence of God, if you're a child of God, neither have you. And his very name is designed to remind you that he is always present. That he would, Jesus said, I am with you to the end of the earth, to the end of the age. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That means when I get up in the morning, is that song we often sing, when my feet hit the ground, when the wolves come around, I need you, Lord, and his name is there to remind me that he is always with me, that he will never leave me and forsake me. Yeah, and this name is to remind you he is always present with you. And that is why, I got to hustle here, write this down as big number two, God's name is to be hallowed. Hallowed. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, What's the next word? Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed there, we don't use that word very much, but it's a translation of the Greek word hagiadzo. It means, to, it means to set something apart. It means to put distance between things. In other words, this goes over here and that goes over there. It means that goes up there and this goes down here and never shall these two meet. They're to be separated. That's the idea of, of this, of, of being hallowed. In other words, we don't put God's name on the same shelf with anything or anybody. That name is to be lifted. That name is to be protected. And here's how we protect it in the negative sense. Write this down as A. Don't profane the name of God. That's the command. Thou shalt not take the name of yod heh vah Yahweh, in Vain. By the way, the word vain means to empty something. In other words, 
We do not use God's name in a trite way that empties it of its value, that empties it of its gravitas, that empties it of its weight, that empties it of its seriousness. But you have to remember, God's name is not God. Now, we don't, we don't even want to say that, right? We don't want to say God followed by a curse word. But you need to understand what God is talking about here is hit that name, this name is to be protected. Listen to what he says. Thou shalt not take the name, not of the Lord, thou shalt not take the name of Yahweh, thy God, in a way that empties that name. For God will not hold him guiltless who takes that name in vain. You say meaning what? Meaning God takes his name serious. And God puts that threat on the end of it. It will not go unpunished. And you see, this is, this is why, this is one of the reasons why when the translators of, the, of our Bibles came to this word, they felt that tension of that verse, and they didn't want to write it. So they just, they just replaced it with the word Lord. But the tension is we now miss the name. We miss the name. By the way, there's a new version of the Bible coming out that's, that's been out. It's called the Holman Christian Study Bible. They have started inserting that name. The name Yahweh is in the Bible hundreds of times, but it's all, every time you see L-O-R-D, that's the, word, that's the name of God behind that. But there was the tension. The tension is we want to be careful with it, but we, we don't even know the name. But I love what, God, I love what Jesus did. He, he sort of took the tension off of this by saying this. This then is how you should pray. Our what? Our Father. Don't you love that? You see, the, 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 the fear of, of misusing this name could actually push us away from God, couldn't it? But the intimacy of this term Father pulls us close to God so that we get both. Think about it. We don't call our, our Father by his given name on a daily basis. I never said to my dad, hey, Walt, what's up? Hey, Walter, how's it going? We, what do we call our fathers? We call our father, dad. And that's the word here. The word father is Abba. It is an intimate term. So what Jesus did for us is he doesn't take away God's name. We, we remember his name is, is Yahweh, but it's a holy name. It's not a name we want to toss around all the time. We want to protect it, be careful with it. So Jesus kind of say, you know, daily when you're talking to God, you can call him Abba. You can call him dad. And so we get the best of both worlds. We remember his name is Yahweh, which means what? He's always present. We get the name father, which means he's like a dad. He is a, he is a dad in your life who's always there for you is the idea. You know, there are a lot of dads who are dads, but they're not there. They're not present, either emotionally or physically. My dad, God bless him, I love him. He became a Christian, but he was really not there. He and mom were always apart, separated, divorced eventually. But God's a dad, and his name, Yahweh, reminds you, he is always, always present. So what does that mean? We would never curse the name of God. Instead, write this down as B, we do what? We praise God's name. I love Psalm 103. It says this. Listen to this. It'll come up on the screen. What's the first word? Praise. Everybody say praise. praise. I love you early 9 o'clock. You guys are, it's early, but you guys jump into it. I love it. You're sometimes the most, you know, inspiring one, the most 
you know, alive. So here we go. What's our first word? Praise, Praise who? Lord. Praise who? Lord. Yahweh. Remember that. Praise Yahweh when you see that. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, praise his holy name, that hallowed name. Praise the hallowed name. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. How do you praise him? And forget not all his benefits. And then what happens is the psalmist begins to shout out. He gives some shout out to God's attributes. Verse 3, who what? Everybody say, he forgives. Yeah. Yeah. Who forgives all thy iniquities? Who heals? Everybody say he heals. He heals. All thy diseases. Who redeems? Everybody say he's redeeming. he's redeeming. Yeah, you've never done something that he can't redeem you from. Who redeems your life from destruction and who crowns thee? Everybody say he crowns. He crowns. With loving kindness and tender mercy. See, see, we praise God's name when we shout out his attributes. Let's shout out some attributes at all of our campuses. Just start shouting out. Nobody's judging you. Whatever comes into your heart, this is what God's like. He is. Shout out an attribute for God. It's all. Yeah, keep going. All of our campuses, keep shouting. Great job. Too many. Yeah, but wow, right? That's our God, and we never want to profane his name. We want to praise his name. In fact, that's the title of this message, From Profanity to Praise. By the way, what do you do when somebody says God and says a bad word after that? What do you do? You know what I think you do? I think you leverage that moment to draw them to God by saying something maybe like this. Hey, did you know you didn't take God's name in vain? That's really not his name. He's God, but that's not his name. His name is Yahweh, and it means he's always present, and he always is there, and he can be there for you because he loves you. You could actually leverage that to draw that person to Christ. But we, his people, we never want to profane his name. We only want to praise his name. Now, I got to tell you, I was going to stop right there. That's where I was going to end the message. I was going to say, let's all stand and praise his name, but I can't because I got to add this one. Write this down to C. God gave Jesus a name above all names. Yeah. Listen to this verse, Philippians 2. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and, and gave him the name. That is what? Above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue, what? Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. In fact, everybody write this down as little one. The hallowedness of Jesus' name brings us to our knees, doesn't it? There's something when you read that that makes you just want to get on your knees and worship him. But here's what I love. Write this down as number two. 
The salvation of his name brings us to our feet in praise. In fact, listen to what Peter said in Acts 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, It is by the what? The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. It is by his name that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no, there's no other name. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. By the way, that's a compound name. The J-E in Jesus is, is from Yah in the Hebrew. That's God's name. The S-U-S, Jesus, that's from the Hebrew word that means saves. Jesus' name means, this is why it's the highest name of all, God saves. God saved. Jesus was God in a body, came to this earth, left heaven, stepped across the stars, planted himself in the womb of a peasant Galilean girl, was born a virgin birth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and it is by his name that we can be saved. Isn't that an amazing name? The name above all names because it is Yahweh saves. And here's what the Bible says. If you're here today, you know, here's the takeaway. If, if, if we're believers, we never profane that name. We always want to praise that name. But if you're here today at all of our campuses, and maybe you're, maybe you're not a believer, maybe you, you, know, you haven't been in church, and this is all new to you, but here's the good news for you. No matter how far away you may imagine yourself to be from God, here's what the Bible says to you. Here's the promise. The Bible says everyone, that means all, that's all-inclusive, that's you, nobody's excluded. Everyone who calls, listen to this, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, will be saved, will be given everlasting life. So how do you receive eternal life? How do you become saved? Well, you don't have to become religious. In fact, religion will drive you away from God. Religion is a routine, it's a tradition, it's a ritual. People get bored with it, it means nothing to them. God never calls us to religion. Jesus never called people to religion. He calls you to a relationship with Him. Where He loves you and you love Him. He walks with you, you walk with Him. You and He do life together. And He says, if you will call on Him, call on that name, Jesus, He'll give you everlasting life and He'll do it today. So why don't you do that right there where you're seated at all of our campuses? Why don't you invite him into your life? Call on that name and ask him to give you eternal life. He'll do it right there where you're seated. Your life can be changed today by the name, by the name. In fact, let's bow our heads to all of our campuses. No one looking around. If you're a believer, you pray for those who, who need the Lord. But if you would like to receive him today, just call out to him right there where you're seated. He's listening. You might be saying, well, Rick, I, I don't know where to begin. I don't, I don't know what to say. Well, listen, let me help you. Let me lead you in a, in a talk with God, in a prayer to him. This is not a poem prayer. You pray it from your heart because he's listening with all of his. 
Would you pray this prayer quietly from your, your heart? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding blood that my sins could be washed away. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting me to become your, your kid, your son, your daughter. Thank you for that invitation. And right now, I accept it. I open the door to my heart. I open the door to my life. And I ask you to come in. I confess all of my sin, past sins, present sins, even the sins I haven't committed yet. <laughs> I ask you to forgive them all, wash them all away in the blood of Christ. And I receive Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for giving me eternal life. Thank you for making me your son, your daughter. May I, from this day forward, may I spend the rest of my life obeying you, following you, loving you, and being loved by you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.